Hello, and welcome to my secondary podcast series, which is part of Soul Conversations with Mia called Your Voice Matters. Each episode is a casual conversation with someone who has an important story, insight, and message to share about their experience of being on their human journey. And every story is relatable because we are all on our own journey of human experiences. I hope you enjoy and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Okay, welcome everybody to um, the final podcast series, Your Voice Matters for 2022, which is kind of cool. I am super um, excited about the final podcast because it's like a window into what's possible for the following year. So today I'm honored to have April Porter, who's actually teleporting (laughs) in from uh, Olympia, Washington, where you're enjoying a snowstorm like us. An ice storm on top of it. An ice storm. So we weren't (laughs) even sure if we were going to make this happen today. So I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm not going to go into much detail about your background because I think it's more important that you share what you think is important for us to know first and foremost about yourself, um, including how you became a human design coach. So why don't you just fill us in a little bit about your background first, and then we'll head into our conversation around human design. Sure, absolutely. So I was a health and wellness coach for a long time. And one day I got an email that crossed my desk and it talked about human design. And of course, being in the wellness field, I was like, what is this genetically modified people? What are we talking about? (laughs) So it piqued my interest. And I thought, this is interesting. And I ran a chart for myself. And I thought, I have no idea what this means, because the chart looks really complex. But I want to know. And so I started to learn a little bit more about it and then started to kind of incorporate it into my sessions with people. And eventually my business evolved to life coaching and human design. Um, But I saw such a huge benefit for myself, for my family and for my clients in it that I couldn't leave it alone. It's a really Mm -hmm. amazing tool that helps us to understand, you know, the energies that we're working with while we're here on this earth in this lifetime. And there's a lot of things that we go through in life that can seem really difficult and really challenging. And we, we kind of scream out, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? And human design oftentimes gives us an, a better understanding of why those things are showing up in our life. And of course, they'll be different for every person and they'll show up differently for every person. But when we can understand that there's something bigger going on, it, mm-hmm. it kind of grounds us in a way. Absolutely. So tell us what human design is first yeah. and then we'll pl- then we'll play okay so human design is um it's a synthesis of several modern and ancient wisdoms so it's um the kabbalah the I Ching, um uh, astrology quantum physics and the chakra system so it's it's not any one of them in their entirety it's like parts of them that have been overlaid into this map that tells you more about yourself. And it's becoming quite well known. Yes. It's not not unusual in our field to say, oh, have you pulled your chart? And people will go, oh, yes, I have. But it kind of tends to end sort of there. Like, yes, I pulled my chart. I'm a projector. I'm a, a manifestor. I'm a generator. But then the, the knowledge or the understanding of it sort of ends right there. So I think that's where this conversation is going to pick up 
is to take people a step further into their human design chart, or if they're curious about it and have been, you know, considering doing it, uh, why they why it might be a great option for them. Um, so let's take it one step further, and I'm going to get you. Well, I'll let you kind of go wherever you feel like it's most important for us to know. Um, assuming that we're kind of neophytes in the human design realm. Okay. So I know that we talked a little bit beforehand about those transitional phases in life. Should we start there? Or do you want to start yes, with the types? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, okay. actually, no, let's start with the types just for anyone who's like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Let's just go quickly over the types. Um, and then if you think it's important that we know like the strategies and the authorities really briefly, then we'll transition into um, the, the transitional phases. Okay. So there are four main types, energy types in human design. Sometimes you'll see that there's a fifth, but that fifth one is actually a subtype of another type. So there's four. The first one is the manifester. They're about 9% of the population. They're here to initiate things, to get things started. They have big ideas and they feel like an inner creative drive that pulls them forward to the next thing. It's like something inside of them that they can't leave this idea alone. It just is, is calling to them. They have to, to follow it. So they're here to work a little bit differently. They don't really need other people to get the thing started. They just kind of take action when they're ready. Then we have the generators. Generators are kind of um, the doers of the world. They have a lot of workforce, life force energy available to them. They're about 70% of the population. And they are here to learn to respond through their sacral response. And what that means is just kind of like a gut feeling. It's a gut knowing. And there's also a verbal sound that comes with it. So as a generator type, you may be familiar um, with a feeling that you have in your gut that kind of pulls you forward. And then you may also notice that before your brain can get involved in a response, you're saying, uh-huh, or uh-uh, or yep, nope, real quickly. And that is your truth. It's it's your body saying, yes, this is something for me, or no, I don't want to do that. Um, but then the mind can get involved and, and try and lead us into things that we think that we should do or shouldn't do. And then we have a subtype of the generators, which is the manifesting generator. So they work in a similar fashion. They have that sacral response. Um, and when I said that the generators were 70% of the population, that included the manifesting generators. And it's about a 50-50 split there. So around 35% of each. Um, and then the manifestors have an additional quality where they can take action quickly once they get that sacral response. So the generators are really waiting for something to show up in their external reality to respond to. So rather than thinking up an idea and then just making it happen, it's maybe having a thought or an idea come to you and then waiting until something shows up through conversation, through a Facebook ad, even sometimes that says, hey, is this for you? And then with that gut response, then they know it's either for them or not for them. Okay. Um, manifesting generators are also designed to do multiple things simultaneously and to jump around and do a lot of different things. So that is one um quality to them that sometimes they misunderstand and they have been told throughout their lives that they can't stick to one thing or they just can't commit. And that's not the truth. It's really just that they're designed to kind of dabble in a lot of different things. And all of those things kind of overlap over time into this greater wisdom for them. Right. And then we have the projector. The projector is here to guide. They are here to 
um, work differently than other people. You know, they're about 20% of the population. So considering that 80% of the population works differently than them, actually 70, because we have the manifestors in there. So 70% um, work differently. Um, then, you know, we, we also, as, as projectors, we have to wait for an invitation. So there's a com it's kind of a little bit complex on the surface. And this is something that gets really misunderstood is that waiting for the invitation is not just a blanket invitation to anyone. It's really personal. So there has to be an element of recognition and then the invitation. So it's kind of like, I know that you can do something and you can do it really well. And because I know that you can do it, I want to ask you, not just anybody, but it's really specific to you. And so projectors can often get a, I don't want to say a bad rap, but kind of, because we get tired of waiting for the invitation sometimes, and we will try and make things happen. And in our world, we're told to go make things happen, to just initiate, to do. And that's not exactly how a projector's energy works best. And so sometimes those things work out, sometimes they don't, but generally it, there's kind of a, a lifespan that doesn't last as long for an invitation that was not there versus one that um, is a true invitation. Okay. And then we have the reflector and the reflector is less than 1% of the population. So they're often kind of referred to as the unicorns of the human design world because they are pretty special. Um, the are unique in their chart in that they have no um, centers, which are like these um, geometric shapes in the chart that represent different energies. Um, they have none of them defined or colored in in the chart. So the chart looks very different for them. And they are here to kind of be the barometer of our world. They take the temperature of the environment around us and reflect it back to us so that we can see, you know, where things are working and where they aren't. They become really wise um, when they are living in alignment about different um, environments, you know, they're kind of taking it and sampling it. And so the reflector has what we call a Teflon aura, where they're designed to kind of take in the other a little bit and sample them and then um, use that information, but not to take it on as their own identity. And so this is one place where I see a lot of pain in reflectors is that until they understand this through human design, they can often live a lot of their life feeling like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm really affected by other people. People overwhelm me. Um, and so once, once they understand human design and there's this different quality to them and they embrace that, they can really thrive in their environment. Sure. Um, what are you? I'm a projector. And I'm a manifesting generator. And it's when I learned um what my energy was it was like oh I get it now honestly like when I when I did my chart which is another thing I want to explain to people like people are going well how, how, how do you do your chart when I did my chart and it came up and um that it one of the things is that I'm a multitasker you know and I have a lot of energy to do a lot of things all the time 
and I quit things because I move at such a fast pace. If that doesn't keep up to where I think it needs to be, I'm like, okay, done with that, move on to the next thing. And I have so much creative energy. I also have an outrageous level of frustration, which was the other part that I learned was that's the thing that's probably gonna get in my way 90% of the time is frustration. And it is, and I knew that about myself that I'm always frustrated, but I didn't understand that that's actually part of my energetic um, code, if you want to call it that. And when I learned that one of, one of the best ways for me to deal with my frustration is to step back and create space. That was honestly one of the most powerful things I've learned about myself in a very long time. So it was super cool to, to, um, to know that it's not a flaw. Mm -hmm. It's actually something you can use in a way that actually creates more um, opportunity and possibility when you embrace the fact that your frustration means step back, take a breath, lean back, stop pushing, stop striving. So that was pretty cool. Absolutely. And each type has their own version of that. Absolutely. And I'm going to get you to share that. For those who are listening going, okay, I, I need to know more about this. How do I do this? Can you just explain how people can do their chart? Yeah, so there's several websites out there that you can run a free chart through. One that I like to use is called geneticmatrix.com. Um, you can run a free chart and then it will it will create something called a body graph. And it looks kind of like a body-like figure with a bunch of geometric shapes and then mm -hmm. lines and numbers going everywhere. So don't get too overwhelmed by that because you'll look at the, it, it will list out like your type and everything. So you don't have to figure that. It's It's actually already figured for you. Kind of looks like this. This is kind of a version of it. Yes. Um, so that's kind of what, and it can be a little bit overwhelming, all the information, but it actually does, um, there is, um, it all will make sense. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, you said geneticgraph.com? Geneticmatrix.com. Oh, matrix.com. And I know, I can't remember where I did mine, but yeah, there's a few of them out there. It's free. You just plop in your... Yeah your birth date, the time of your birth, and the location of your birth. Yeah, just like astrology. It's just, yeah. it will pull more information than just your astrology to combine into this chart. Yeah. The okay, one that you, so, sorry, go I ahead. Was gonna, I was just gonna say, the one that you ran was um, mybodygraph.com, which That's is another right. great That's one. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm just gonna put these in our, I'll, I'll link them. Mm -hmm. um, mybodygraph.com, that's right, that's what I used. Um, Okay, so before we talk about the phases, let's just very quickly, um, I'm going to ask you to identify the authority or the thing that might get in the way for each one of the energy types. Okay, so that would be this strategy. So each Sorry, type has its own strategy and a not self-emotion. Right. Um, so the strategy for the manifester is to initiate. Right. So they're waiting for that inner creative drive and then they initiate, they take action. Their not self emotion is actually anger. So when they are pushing against right timing, when they are tired, you know, and these are going to be specific for each type. So when they're tired, when they're not, um, when they're trying to people please and do what they think they should rather than what they're feeling called to do, they will run up against an emotion that feels like anger. That anger will come through them. Um, but when they are living in alignment, they get to enjoy the, the emotion of peace. So it's a very contented um, cool. emotion. The generator strategy is um, 
to wait for something to show up to respond to. So we talked about that a minute ago about waiting for the external uh, sign or, or something to show up for you to respond to, and then using that sacral response. They're not self-emotion is um, frustration. So if you are a generator type and you're feeling frustrated all the time, it's usually because you're saying yes to something you want to say no to. You're saying no to something you want to say yes to, mm-hmm. or you're just ending up in a kind of people-pleasing pattern. So something is is not working for you. And it's a, a sign to step back and say, mm, where am I pushing where I need to be waiting? Or where am I saying yes, where I need to say no? Cool. And then the manifesting generator actually has two. So they're also waiting for something to show up to respond to, but their emotions are frustration and anger because they get a little bit of that manifestor quality, even though they're not a manifestor. Um, So it can show up as kind of both of those things. And then the signature that they are operating in alignment is satisfaction. And this is something I want to take a second on because I think that we think of satisfaction, we go, oh, that must feel so great, right? But the thing is, is that when you think about satisfaction, it's really just contentment. It's like, Mm -hmm. and I think we talked about this before, you know, where you can eat a meal that's too big and you feel overstuffed and it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Or if you don't eat enough, you feel still kind of hungry and you're still looking for something. But if you eat a meal that's just the right size and the right, right things for you, you feel content. It just Mm -hmm. feels kind of absent almost it's it's just content it's peaceful peaceful yeah 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 so it's not some big thing that you're chasing after it's really just do I feel good yeah and then the projector you know they're waiting for the invitation that's their strategy and um, when they're pushing against that when they're trying to make things happen or if they are tired that's another one for the projector um and they're trying to work like a manifester or a generator, and they're really not designed to, then they start to, um, they start to show this not self-emotion of bitterness. And this is an interesting one, because I think that we labeled this emotion a little bit differently. Whereas, you know, when I first heard bitterness, I was like, I'm not bitter. (laughs) I don't know what this is, but no, (laughs) bitter doesn't sound right. But when you sit with it and you really like acknowledge it, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of bitter about this. I'm kind of bitter that this isn't working or that I have to wait because sometimes the waiting feels like it takes forever. Um, so bitterness is, is the not self-emotion. But when projectors are living in alignment, waiting for the correct invitations, and this doesn't mean that they have to wait for the invitation for every single thing in their life. It's for the big things. It's for relationships. It's for jobs. It's for where to live and who to marry and those type of things. It's the big stuff that you're waiting for those invitations for. But if you uh, wait for those, then we get the um, emotional signature of satisfaction. I'm sorry, not satisfaction, but um, success. Mm, Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then the reflector has a totally different approach. So because they are more of a lunar being, well, the rest of us are more solar beings, um, they are deeply connected to the moon. So their strategy is to wait a lunar cycle to make a big decision. 28 days a whole month right that seems like forever yeah and and so during that time what happens is the moon transits all the gates in the human design chart so they get to feel all of the different energies in the chart and consider like how does this feel for me how does it feel when i'm around different people how 
how do I feel when I'm by myself versus when I'm connected to somebody else? And so it gives them time to really understand what their true feelings about something are and then to make that decision. So when they are waiting, they have the, the signature of um, delight or surprise. And then, surprise, when they're, yeah. mm-hmm, and then when they're not, their not self's um, emotion is disappointment. So I imagine that this is going um, ding, ding, ding for people right now. Just like, oh my God, that's me. Oh mm-hmm. my God, that's that's me. So I think that's the piece where it's really, it's another super powerful tool for people that are open to exploring um, how they show up mm-hmm. on the planet, you know, on this journey. So, and a lot of the um, the beauty of human design is it really explains to us our emotional it really helps us to understand our emotional awareness mm-hmm. I think that's one of the the most beneficial pieces of the chart that I find for people you know we can when we look at the emotions through the lens of human design we see that there are basically two general types of people there are people who emit an emotional wave they're they're feeling emotions they're moving through an emotional wave all the time and the um, I don't want to say project, but they emit that out into the world and the environment around them. It's it's kind of just shared energetically. And then the other side of that is, and this is about half of people, another half of the population is walking around as total empaths emotionally. And they're feeling all of these waves that people mm-hmm. are sending out. And it gets really confusing because it's kind of like you're bathing in this emotional soup all the time. And you're wondering what's mine and what's not mine. And so- we see a lot more awareness about empaths and highly sensitive persons and things like that now. And what I find is that the people who usually identify so strongly with those things are emotionally open in human design. Okay. So it's not necessarily their energetic type. No. Okay. I mean, it's, it's the gate that it's the gateways that are open that uh, have them feeling the energies more than the other 50% of the population. Is that, did I hear that right? It can be the gates, but really we're talking about a center. So we're talking about the emotional solar plexus, which is on the chart down kind of off the right is the one that stands out most on the right side. And so if it's white, it's considered undefined and it's open to other people's emotions. And if it's colored in, then you are somebody who emits an emotional wave. Okay. And I can't remember what the manifesting generator is. I probably have it right here. They can be either. So any type except for the reflector can be emotionally defined or not. And the reflector can't just because they, uh, the brown triangle down on the right. So mine is colored in, meaning I. You do have an emotional wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is that the the middle channel right there or is the one right? Okay. So you have an individual wave. Oh, and you have a tribal wave. And so would you like me to share with the wave types? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So this is really helpful, whether you're emotionally defined or emotionally open, because if you're open, you're going to be feeling this type of energy from other people. So it's helpful to understand what it is. So the tribal waves, and we talk about tribal, um, collective and individual circuitry, which means just the different um, groupings that are in the channels in the chart. Okay. So the waves are either collective, tribal, or individual. So the tribal, the tribal channel is one that's really concerned with like bonding and family and protectiveness and, and all of that energy. And so it operates in a ratcheting type of motion. 
So these are people who seem pretty even keel a lot of the time. And then all of a sudden they can explode. It's like they're going along just fine. Everything's okay. They seem okay on the surface while inside they're feeling this ratcheting, ratcheting up higher and higher and higher and higher. And then somebody loads the dishwasher wrong and they blow their lid, right? Like, it's just like, why didn't you do this the way that I asked you to, you know, and it's over usually the silliest thing. Um, and so when that wave explodes like that, then it resets and it goes back to this like cool, calm and collected feeling. It can also reset when it reaches clarity. So this is sometimes seen, um, a lot in like children where they'll be working on maybe a really difficult math problem and be puzzling at it and getting mad and, and matter and matter. And then they just kind of explode. But if they actually find the answer just before they explode, that can also reset the wave because now they've reached the clarity. They've figured out what they needed to know and they come back down. Okay. Then we have the individual wave. And this is one that actually, um, Okay, so the individual wave is, um, it's cool, calm, and collected. Most of the time it's kind of in the middle. It'll have sudden spikes up and it'll have sudden spikes down. They don't usually last very long, but it can feel out of the blue. It feels very melancholy a lot of the time when it hits that low. And it's like, why am I feeling this way? Where did this come from? Or it can be really high and excited. And then it comes back down. And so this is one where I see people try and control it. And the thing about any of these waves is that we can't control them. They move up and down all through our lives and we can't control that, but we can influence how long we stay in these lows by how much we identify with them. So if we start saying things like, I am sad rather than I feel sad, we start identifying that emotion to our identity and our personality. And we start to feel like that's a normal thing for us to feel this low quality. And it's really not, it's really just about, I'm, I'm feeling low today. I bet tomorrow might be different. You know, I'm just going to take care of myself today. It's about retreating and, and taking the care that you need for yourself so that you can go back out into the world when your wave comes back up again. So literally riding the wave, but you have to have the awareness to be able to ride it. Otherwise you're going to resist it. I would imagine. Yeah, because if you're going along fine and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh, I just don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't feel like anything's good today. I just want to be alone. Then you start to kind of try and make sense of it. Why did this happen? What did I do to make this happen? And that's not the way that this wave works. It's really just, you're in a low right now and you'll come back Hmm. up. It'll be okay. Very cool. And it's actually quite complex when you um, get the full chart I mean, it's one thing to just understand I'm a this, and this is my strategy, and this is my authority. But when you really get to understand the diff- the nine different um, uh, centers, mm-hmm. as well as the gates and the lines or the profiles, right? Then yeah, you take it. I mean, it's so there's so much more to it. Yeah, yeah, and the but profiles, it, which we haven't talked about here, are kind of give us a little more understanding of our personality qualities and and how things come to us through our life. Yeah, perfect. And we're going to, um, before we're done, we'll make sure that people know how to um, contact you if they want to do uh, some work with their human design chart and you can you can take them through all the complexities of it. But the one thing that we really wanted to share with the audience today, now that we've given them some foundation, is the phases or sorry, the, um, yeah, the phases, yeah. the 40s, the 50s and the 60s. 
and how human design, um, well, I'll just let you comment on that. Yes, I would love to. I, there was one more wave type. Did you want to cover that Did one? Did I miss one? Oh, yes. Uh, just the Did collective. And I just, I, I wouldn't want somebody oh, yes, who collective. has that yes. go, oh, what does that one mean? Sorry, um, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so the collective wave is one that works through a, um, it's kind of like a, a slow escalator ride up. And then when it reaches its top, it will crash down and it'll have a really low, low for a while. And so this one is built on expectation. This is one where we kind of, and it's, it's rooted in like the gate of fantasy and imagination. So this is where it comes from. It comes from this drive of like, well, I bet this will be like this, or I imagine it's going to be like this. There's this really fantastical quality to it. And it's beautiful because there's a lot of creative things that come out of it. But if we're not careful, we can take what other people say and put our own creative spin on that and then start to imagine that that is the way that things are going to be mm. or that something is going to happen. And when it doesn't, then that wave crashes down and we hit that low. And then I hear things like, I shouldn't even bother trying. I don't know why I got my hopes up. You know, it's that kind of like, I knew it was going to turn out this way feeling. Gotcha. And it's really okay. just learning to enter into things for the experience of it rather than for the expectation. Okay, so just so we're clear on that, that was tribal, collective, and individual. Yes. And that's um, that's the lines, right? It's the channels that come out of the emotional center. Out of the centers, okay. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you can reach out to April if you wanna, you know, if you wanna dive deeper into this, but we're just trying to surface touch on the, the, the basics so that we can take that into the most important part of our conversation today, which is yeah. the, the, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So in human design, just like in astrology, we have planets that transit and they come back to certain points in our chart. And those points um, kind of line up with what we see in our world around like the midlife crisis or, um, you know, retirement age, there's different phases that we go through. So when we look at, you know, probably birth to about 40, we're looking at a person individualizing, right? They're really differentiating. They grow up in their family. They're conditioned by the family. Then they go out in their twenties to their thirties. And they're really trying to figure out who they are and what they are independent from their families. And then from 30 to 40, things kind of shift. They maybe start a family, they uh, enter into a career or a job. You know, they kind of have a little bit more stability a lot of times in their life. And then when they hit 40, or right around 40, we have what's called the Uranus opposition, which is just the point where Uranus returns halfway back to its original point in, in your birth chart. And when this happens, there's a whole new piece that comes to us because this is about um, self-actualizing. It's the emergence of the cosmic self. It's um, the wake-up point in the chart of the soul's mm -hmm. purpose. It's like, okay, I've been around and I've been doing some stuff. I've kind of got this life thing figured out of like how to care for myself and how to have a, a, a career or a home or a family. And now what else, right? And so this is a point where sometimes people are coming out of like raising their kids or maybe they're starting raising their family. So there's a lot of complexity around how this shows up for people. And this is kind of what we would consider, you know, historically as like the midlife crisis, you know, this is where we start to look at our life and go, is this really what I want? Have I put myself on a path that is really aligned with my soul purpose? Okay. I'm going to comment on this when you give us all three phases. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so then the next phase is around age 50. And this is a little different for each person is based on your birth time and, and all of that. So it's, you know, late 40s, early 50s. Um, and so this is when Chiron returns um, in your chart. And so Chiron is considered in astrology like the wounded healer. Um, and this is particularly important, this phase for some of the profiles, which we're not talking about here, but it is important for some profiles more than others, but it's really relevant to us all because this is where we're integrating the soul purpose. It's like by, from the forties, we're kind of like, okay, this didn't work. This is kind of working. I'm interested in this. I'm going to spend this time figuring out who I am and what I want for my soul to really feel like it's thriving in this world so that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now. Um, and so this is like where we are um, Chiron's asking us, how serious are you about this? You know, what are you willing to commit to? What are you willing to let go of that doesn't need to be anymore? And what are you willing to bring in? How important is this to you? And so then we spend that time going through this phase and then we hit 60, which is when we are at our second Saturn return. The first one happens around 30. And this is, um, it's like the final phase where we surrender to the cosmic self. It's um, asking us like, how willing are you to commit to your soul purpose? Because now's the time, you know, now is the time. Let's take action. Let's, let's make something happen. And then there's one last one that is around 84. And this is when Uranus actually returns to its original position. And this is looking at like, what is the legacy you want to live or uh, leave? So there's, there's a lot of things going on here. And the interesting thing with human design is that there's a chart for each one of these phases mm -hmm. and the chart looks different than your birth chart. But when we look at the themes that are in that chart, they always connect to what is in your birth chart, but there's like a growth experience in them. And so when people hit these transitional points, there can be a lot of, um, there can there can be turmoil, there can be discomfort, there can be kind of a shaking up of things. And depending on how aware they are of their self and how on track they are with their purpose, they can feel this more or less. And so having your human design chart in these return cycles can really help you to see, oh my gosh, okay, so I'm going through this thing and it feels really chaotic right now, but look, there's a purpose in this. And that gives us a, a grounding to really understand like, I'm not just going through this because I've lived my life incorrectly or like, because I made the wrong decision this one time or any of those things, you know, or karma or any of that. It's really just about what energies we're here to really master and learn and share with the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to comment on that whole piece uh, from a different perspective. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm just going to call it layman's or I don't even know what the term is, but uh, again, I feel like there's so many people that are going to be listening to this going, oh, <laughs> oh, that's it, right? So the, the demographic of people that I work with are generally 40 to 60, maybe sometimes up to 65. And they're generally women, not always, but generally women. And they're in this pocket of I'm not that person I used to be, mm -hmm. but I have no idea who I am. I just know there's more out there. That's literally the words they're saying in their mm -hmm. own way. 
time and time and time and time again, I don't understand what my purpose is. What am I supposed to be doing? I know that that's done. I'm done raising my children. Um, I'm done with that marriage that doesn't serve me anymore or whatever. Just, I'm just mm-hmm. using that as an example. And now I'm sitting in this pocket of unknowing and I'm really uncomfortable because yes. I want someone to tell me what is my purpose. So the, the cool thing is the purpose for us all is to step into our absolute potential, our greatness. That is our journey. Our, that mm-hmm. is the journey that we're on. Every one of us is to really um, grow, elevate, inquire, um, and become this full version that we're here to experience. And this is another, you cannot do that without awareness. Mm-hmm. So these levels of awareness and self-awareness, depending on how old your soul is and other parts of this conversation, this that we're talking about is another tool Mm -hmm. for us to explore our absolute beautiful potential. Yes. And this pocket that we're in right now, I just turned 57. I've been through that wake up point. I didn't know that's what it was because there was not a terminology. I just knew this ain't right this mm-hmm. I, I there is so much more to what I'm supposed to be experiencing and I so I've walked that path mm-hmm. and this is such a beautiful tool for us to go oh look at it from another perspective right yeah if only we could go back and give ourselves human design 20 years ago right yes. I yes. hit my own point around my Saturn my first Saturn return around 30 and I completely burned out I had cortisol levers that were almost non-existent. I couldn't get off the couch and take care of my two and four-year-old at the time. I was, I was bottomed out. Like I had nothing left to give. And it took a lot of digging into who am I and what does this mean for me? And I didn't find human design for another five or six years after that. But man, if I had had that, oh my gosh, my learning curve would have been so much less. Um, Yeah. But as a projector, I was pushing myself to work like a manifester or a generator. And I didn't know that I wasn't designed to work that way because the world just told me, get up and do, go, make it happen, take care of everyone. And And I think there's a lot of people that are operating in life as a manifester or a generator because that's what the world expects. You just keep doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and busy. The busier you are, the better you are, Mm -hmm. right? There's a level of, um, there's like a golden standard that that busy is like a badge of honor. And some of us are not meant to operate that way. Mm -hmm. And you're basically fighting against yourself. Yeah. And we're, all of us are not designed to do work that we are not lit up by either like generators really need to be doing work that that they respond to that makes them feel good and that doesn't mean go quit your job tomorrow and just say well I'm waiting for the next thing to show up but you know looking at is this lighting me up do I feel good doing this do I feel like I have my purpose and sometimes the work that gives us purpose isn't the work that we get paid for it doesn't always line up Mm -hmm. but if you have something in your life that drives you and gives you that it feeds you And when you are fed in that way, you can do the work, you know, at your, your nine to five or whatever. And it's okay. You know, as a generator, you, you wake up with a renewed energy source every day, but generators can also burn out and manifesting generators. You know, if you're doing work, you don't love, if you're not having enough of the things you do love in your life and saying yes to the right things, you can burn out too. It's not as, 
typically as long or as deep as like projector or sometimes manifester or reflector burnout, but it can happen. Absolutely. Not living aligned is the biggest reason for that. Perfect. I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, Because again, that's, I think we are, um, we are often walking out of alignment in our life. If we don't have the awareness to understand what that means, like what are, what, what are our primary values? And more importantly, what is the most important value in your life that will always help you find your way out of the darkness and and whatever that value is, or those values, how in or out of alignment are you in all the areas of your life? I mean, that has a feeling of discord, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're really part of this process, including this conversation, is to help people understand how to walk their life in alignment. Mm-hmm. So here's the really great thing about human design. This chart is so complex. There's so much that we can learn from it. We can dig into it for days, but we don't have to. Really, the truth is, is that when we are living in alignment with human design, we need to know what our type is. So if we're a projector, generator, manifester, manifesting generator, or reflector, and then we need to know our strategy to wait, to initiate, to wait for the invitation, um, to wait at lunar cycle. And then we need to know our authority. And so this is one we haven't touched on, but this is like that inner um, decision-making process for ourselves. And there's Um, seven different ones. So there's a variety of them and I I, we probably won't go into them here, but um, you can read about them on my website too. They're all on there, but it's just a way of, of knowing how to make correct decisions for yourself. And if you can harness those things and understand them and just start playing with them, it's not about getting it right. Every time it's not about perfection. It's just about, Hey, let me try this and see what happens. Start with the small things and then work up as you learn to trust that inner decision-making rather than getting stuck in our heads and saying, well, I have to figure this out, make the pro-con list or who's going to be upset if I say yes, or who's going to be upset if I say no, it's really turning back towards the self and saying, what do I need so that I can be the best version of myself so that I can give permission to everyone else around me to be their best selves and their authentic selves. And then we change the world. Absolutely. Um, I don't think there's a better way to end this conversation than with that thought, because that is also part of our process is to elevate the people around us just by showing up in our greatest self, right? As our greatest self, you're naturally going to um, create a vibrancy that elevates people that are ready. So let's, um, there are going to be people that are going to want to know more. So what, what's your advice? Should uh, they can visit your website? Of course, they can reach out to you. Let's talk about some ways that they can connect with you. And I'll also put it in the, um, in the, in the posts. Yeah. So my website is the best way to reach me. It's aprilporter.com. My first name's spelled okay. a little differently. So yes. um, you'll probably link that. So um, A-Y, right? Yes. A-Y-P-R-I-L. Porter.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. That's the best way to find me. Cause as a projector, I don't tend to go into too many social channels. It just, I find it kind of draining to consistently okay. be there. Um, okay. So, so I, would you recommend, sorry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, would you recommend if someone wants to reach out to you that it would be good for them to maybe go to geneticmatrix.com or mybodygraph.com and do their chart first? Yes. So I would run a okay. chart. I would, um, you can look on my website. I have a blog that has some posts on type authority strategy kind of stuff, kind of get a basic understanding of that. 
Um, I noticed that you put up Karen Curry Parker's um, human design book, The Red Book. Yes. Um, that's a great resource. And it's really great for somebody who's new to human design because it's written in a way that people can understand it pretty easily. Yeah, it's a, it was very easy for me to understand. Um, so, and it, it was a, it was a quick read, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a book called Parenting the Child You Have. It's a human design yes. book. So it is about kids, but it's also written so that we can look at it through our childhood or through our relationship to our parents as adults as well. Right. So Beautiful. that can, it, it goes over all the type strategy, profile authority, all of that stuff as well um, in a way that's easy to understand. And it's, sorry, this, and this will um, uh, shed a light on parenting the manifestor too, right? Mm -hmm. Or parenting the projector yes. or whatever. So, and this is your book? Yes. You <gasps> Yay. Okay. So wonderful. I will make sure that that's all linked. Um, I think people are going to really, this is amazing. Thank you for making this so simple um, because it is, it can be very complex mm -hmm. and you simplified it to, to, um, to a level where it's going to grab people's attention and the people that we work with, I know that we have very similar demographics. They're going to be intrigued by this if they don't already understand or know it, if they're not familiar with it. So um, it's just, again, another tool to allow people to really step in and own their greatness and um, show up in the world from a place of uh, newfound awareness. So thank you so much, April. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate Thanks for inviting so me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, all the best through the holiday season. And um, thank you again for, for joining us and for sharing your wisdom. I really, really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay.